Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode on the Health Trip Podcast. Today's episode is all about inflammation. You've heard me say it over and over again. Just being a midlife woman and just going through menopause opens up the doors to chronic disease states, Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. The root cause of chronic disease states is low-grade inflammation starting in your gut. Lifestyle interventions are always going to be your first lines of defense against disease and midlife women need to be even more aware of what they put in their bodies. The transition through menopause often brings weight gain around the midsection, higher levels of glucose and insulin leading to insulin resistance, as well as gut dysbiosis. Midlife women are experiencing more constipation, loose stools, gas and bloating, and other GI issues. We're also more stressed than ever and not sleeping well leading to cognition problems, headaches, migraines, and brain fog. Women have a fourfold increase in risk of autoimmune disorders than men, and 80% of people who have autoimmune issues are women. Some autoimmune disorders are triggered during the perimenopausal through postmenopausal timeframe, so 30 to 60 years of age. While more research is needed, it is proposed that sex hormones, the microbiome, environmental factors, and the X chromosome may be very much connected to autoimmune disorders in women. It is broadly known and accepted by many functional medicine doctors, but not so much in the conventional healthcare model, that consuming gluten causes a leaky gut that leads to gut dysbiosis that can then lead to chronic inflammation and autoimmune disorders. Should midlife women stop eating gluten during menopause transition and beyond? Would doing that support better skin, brain health, gut health, weight loss, healthy hair growth, and heart health? Let's find out. My guest today is Dr. Tom O'Brien, who comes with many accolades, too many to list here. Here are some highlights, though. He is a doctor of chiropractic and a clinical nutritionist, a member of and on the teaching faculty board of the Institute for Functional Medicine, the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists, the American Chiropractic Association, the International Academy of Preventive Medicine. And he is recognized, he's a recognized world expert on gluten and its impact on health. He is an internationally recognized and sought after speaker and workshop leader specializing in the complications of non-celiac gluten sensitivity celiac disease, and the development of autoimmune diseases. Dr. O'Brien is on a mission to educate patients and healthcare practitioners across the globe about the many possible manifestations of non-celiac gluten sensitivity and celiac disease, and why patients with gluten-related disorders require treatment programs that go beyond just a gluten-free diet. Here's just a short medical disclaimer. Before we start, by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice or to make any lifestyle changes to treat any medical condition in yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any of my guests on my podcast. So sit back, open your mind, and let's dive deep into autoimmune. 
disorders in women's health. Hi, Dr. Tom. Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. I am so excited to have you here. I've heard you speak many, many times, but my community might not be as familiar with you as I am. And you are amazing at just breaking down these very um, intricate medical systems going on in our body into ways that non-medical people can understand and visualize and connect to. Which brings me to an intro to you. You are known as the Sherlock Holmes of functional and integrative medicine. So for the listeners who don't really know that about you. How did that come about? How did you get into all of this with functional medicine? What's that journey been like for you? Well, it started in Chicago in 1979 when I was in school and we couldn't get pregnant. And I called the seven most famous holistic doctors I'd ever heard of and asked, what do you do for infertility? And they all told me what they did and I wrote it down. I put a program together. We were pregnant in six weeks. My neighbors in married housing, we lived on campus, uh, had been through artificial insemination and nothing had worked for them. And they asked if I'd work with them. And I thought, well, nothing here is going to hurt you. Sure. They were pregnant in three months. So now we're four months pregnant and just hot to trot and tell the world. And our friends, you know, we tell our friends and she would have a sister in Wisconsin that had had three miscarriages and nobody could tell her why. And she said, please, can I talk to you, please? And so she'd come down to Chicago and um, I was treating people out of my dorm room. This is before I was in practice and you're not supposed to do that, right? But I did. And uh, we came out into practice helping a lot of people with reproductive system imbalances. Mm. And, you know, there's not much in medicine, but this was in every, every couple having reproductive system imbalances, whether it was premature ejaculation or low testosterone or recurrent miscarriages or fibrocystic breast disease, it didn't matter. Every single one of them had as a primary contributor to the imbalance that they were suffering from, that they were eating foods that they did not know were a problem for them because Mm -hmm. they didn't get gut pain when they ate the food. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't know this thing about inflammation and where it might manifest. And so we, we, I came out into practice beginning with first you address the foods. When people have a chronic condition, you do the right testing to identify what foods is my immune system saying are not good for me. Mrs. Patient, your immune system is just the armed forces in your body. It's there to protect you. There's an army, a navy, an air force, a marines, a coast guard. We call them IGA, IgG, IgE, IgM, cytokines. They're just different branches of the armed forces there to protect you. You know, like the air force guards the sky. Um, IgA guards a particular area of your body. Whereas the army is boots on the ground, IgM is a first responder. You know, so they all have their role to play, Mm -hmm. but they're all doing the same thing. And that is they're trying to protect you. So you want to find out what foods am I eating that my immune system thinks is a problem for whatever reason, but it's activating an immune response, trying to protect me from something, causing the inflammation that's manifesting as my current physical complaints. You know, if you pull in a chain, it always breaks at the weakest link, always. 
Is it one end, the middle, the other end? It's your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys, wherever your weak link is, that's where the chain's gonna break. And the weak link is determined by two things, your genetics, which you can't do anything about, and what's called your antecedents. All that means is how you live your life. So if you live in a moldy house, that's an antecedent. If you eat um, uh, tuna fish twice a week, every week, you likely have mercury toxicity because most of the tuna is high in mercury. Those are antecedents, how you live your life. So the weak link is always determined by your genetics and your antecedents. Mm -hmm. And the pull on the chain is always inflammation, always. The Center for Disease Control tells us that 14 of the 15 top causes of death are chronic inflammatory diseases. Everything is inflammation, except for unintentional injuries, an accident. Everything else of the top 15 causes of death are chronic inflammatory diseases. So irrespective of what your complaints are, migraines, menstrual cramps, it, it doesn't matter joint pain, skin problems, psoriasis, MS, it doesn't matter. You always look at where, how am I triggering inflammation in my body? And that's a big, big step in getting immediate, within a few weeks, relief for whatever the weak link in your chain is, because you stop pulling so hard on the chain, and within a couple of weeks, as an example, going gluten-free. And in a couple of weeks, you're down a dress size and your headaches, your daily headaches are gone. You've only had one in two weeks or, or your energy's up or your, the teacher at school calls and says, you know, that new medication your child's on is really working. They're more attentive. They're not so um, uh, hyperactive. And you say, well, I'm not giving him any medication. We changed his diet. We made him gluten free. And then the teacher says, oh, I've heard something about that. Right. So it doesn't matter what the symptoms are. What matters is that when you have symptoms, you're pulling on the chain. And so the question is, how do I reduce the pull on the chain? How do I reduce the right. inflammation in my body? Yeah. So the community we're speaking to today are mostly midlife women. And mm -hmm. we know that just being a midlife woman, just going through menopause, forget the hormones for a second, forget that conversation, but just going through menopause opens up the door for us to those four chronic disease states you named, you know, there's 15, but the four main ones, right? We've got Alzheimer's, type two diabetes, cancer, and heart disease risk, right? And so in midlife women, we're also during this time gaining weight around our midsection. We're experiencing increased anxiety, depression, mood and cognition disorders. We're losing our hair. We're struggling with, um, you mentioned skin health. We're struggling with our gut health. We know that during perimenopause, our gut microbiome is changing. And so here we are, we're in this situation. We don't feel good. We're desperate to get out of it. And I've, and then we have possible autoimmune disease rising in this population of women. And so you talked about the root cause of inflammation, right? You, you named two things already, your genetics, and then you named what you're putting on the end of your fork. Mm -hmm. But how does just the aging process alone trigger the immune system? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not normal. 
to have the symptoms women have going through a change. It's not normal, it's common. And we have to get really clear on the difference between those two words because your doctor will tell you, well, it's normal to have these symptoms you know, as you're going through a change. No, it's not. Show me the physiology books that say that. It's not normal, it's common. Mm. So when you understand that differentiation, then you take a step back and you say, okay, so what sets me up for this? That's a whole nother discussion of lifestyle. And um, so many women are set up. Let's take the example of hormone imbalances during the perimenopausal years, okay? When you go through a change, your um, ovaries that have been producing estrogen and progesterone and, and others, they start to shut down and they stop producing estrogen. Now, most of us have heard you need some estrogen as you um, uh, go into your senior years, keeps your bones strong, keeps your uh, brain working well. But wait, if the ovaries stop making estrogen, where do I get the estrogen? What's normal? What is the human body designed to do? And it's your adrenal glands. These tiny little glands the size of a walnut that sit on top of your kidneys. When the ovaries begin shutting down, the adrenals start kicking up, mm -hmm. making about one-tenth the estrogen that the ovaries used to make. That's normal. That's normal physiology. And that's plenty to keep your bones strong and to keep your brain on optimum function uh, from a, a hormonal perspective. There, there's, there's other triggers to brain dysfunction, but from the hormone side of it, one-tenth the estrogen is plenty. Okay, but I'm going through these symptoms and I, why am I going through these? Well, it's because your adrenal glands are having a difficult time doing the job they were initially designed to do. So, okay, what does that mean? Well, the adrenal glands are the glands that handle the stress of life. And they make these stress hormones called, you know, the fight, flight, or fright hormones. And it's worth understanding this anatomy uh, in our bodies because it starts to make sense. We have two different types of nervous systems in our body. We have what's called the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, the, sympathetic, the, the parasympathetic nervous system is the nervous system that's in dominance on the fifth day of a two-week vacation with no kids. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you could imagine <laughs> what yeah. that would be like, you know, the biggest choice or decision of the day is should I have lunch at the pool or at the beach, right? <laughs> right. And, and your body is so relaxed, your digestion is great, um, your brain is open and receptive. You daydream about ideas that you haven't thought about before. Your muscles are relaxed. Your, breath your breathing is slow and deep, deep breaths. Um, uh, it's a, a relaxation state. The other nervous system is called the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight, flight, or fright. Just imagine what happens when a barking dog comes charging, but it's on a chain and, 
And what, what happens to your body? Your muscles are real tight. Your heart's beating really fast. Your breathing is... And you're not right. thinking about anything except survival. Right. That's the sympathetic nervous system. Now, and we can go into that all day, but the basic point is the anatomy of that is the, the parasympathetic nervous system, the nerves of that parasympathetic relaxed state nervous system is about the, and I'm going to give an analogy, about the size of your thumb. They're not that big, but it's the size of your thumb. And the sympathetic nervous system, they're the size of your baby finger. So the parasympathetic is much bigger. It's got a lot more insulation around it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the sympathetic nervous system has very little insulation. It's called myelin, saran wrap around your nerves. There's very little. Okay, why are we talking about this? Why is there very little insulation around the sympathetic nerves? Because every electrician will tell you, the more insulation around a wire, the slower the current travels through the wire. Hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. And the less insulation you have, the faster mm -hmm. the current goes through. So when you need to have a response to save your life from a growling tiger behind you, you know, you jump or the hiss of a snake, the rattle of a rattlesnake, you immediately, you, there's no thinking, you know, mm -hmm. it's to save your life. That's why there's very little insulation around there. Okay. Okay. So that's the anatomy. Whereas the parasympathetic nerves, I have thick insulation. Well, what does that mean in terms of what's supposed to be the dominant nervous system running most of the time in your life? It's the parasympathetic nerves. We're supposed to be in that state of relaxed muscles, slow heartbeat, um, slow deep breaths, uh, open-minded, um, uh, happy, joyous. That's the state we're supposed to live in 90% of the time and rarely have to fight saber-toothed tigers. But we've grown up in a world where we're fighting saber-toothed tigers all day, every day. Yep. And the sympathetic nervous system is, that's why when I say the fifth day of a two-week vacation with no kids, it brings a smile to everyone's face. Right. Oh, that wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. That's the parasympathetic dominant nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're designed. It's not realistic in our world today. Okay, but what's the expense to barely ever having parasympathetic dominance and that we have this fight, flight, or fright dominance most of the day, every day. Well, what happens to a nerve that's designed to run 10% of the time and it's running 99% of the time? What happens to that nerve? Burns out. How many of us use language? I feel all burnt out in life, you know? Right really tired. So if, if, if you don't use the words burnt out, but I hope you understand what I mean, yeah. that your body is not vital and alive and dynamic. Yeah, I feel tired. I feel burnt out. I'm just You're taxed. Yeah, taxed. You've, you've paid too many taxes. Right. So that's the adrenal glands. Now, the adrenal glands, they're supposed to be the size of a walnut. When they've done autopsy on healthy vibrant young men who died by trauma, unfortunately, their adrenal glands are the size of a walnut. 
when they do autopsy on sick young men who die of disease, their adrenal glands are the size of a peanut. Hmm. Just read the science. You, we've worn out. I feel all worn out. I feel burnt out. Well, you are. You are. So now you go through a change of life when the ovaries start to shut down and the adrenal glands are supposed to kick in and make about 10% of the hormone that the ovaries were making. They can't. They're the size of a peanut or somewhere heading that way. Mm. You, you've lost the reserves. And not many doctors talk about this. We talk, well, take this, you'll feel better. Take this hormone or take this, which is good Band-Aid on the oozing wound type of care. It's very helpful. And I'm sure you've had many, many guests that talk of the value of different uh, substances to take um, that are natural and non-pharmacological, non-side effects that really help with a lot of people. Uh, uh, but we have to also include, as we're going through that transition time, rebuilding your adrenal glands from the size of a peanut back to the size of a walnut. Now, Mrs. Patient, every cell in your body regenerates, every single cell, some really quick, some slower, but every cell regenerates. So on a one to 10, everybody wants to be a 10, but if your adrenal glands are functioning as a 4.3 after a lifetime of way too much stress, when that cell reproduces, it reproduces as a 4.3. Because of the environment we call epigenetics around the cell. So that when it reproduces, you reproduce like reproduces like. You reproduce the same type of cell. But your lifestyle that's causing you to wear down, now you're functioning as a 4.2. That cell, when it regenerates, regenerates as a 4.2. And then a 4.1. And then a 4.0. And then a 3.9. That's the process of getting old. But something that you heard on your podcast, your listeners heard from this guy talking about, you know, the adrenal glands or something, you start making some changes in your lifestyle to take some of the stress out to reduce the inflammation, stop pulling on the chain so hard, and you notice you feel a little better. But when that 3.9 cell reproduces, it reproduces as a 4.1 because there's less inflammation. And then it reproduces a 4.2 and a 4.3 and a 5.4 and a 6.1 and a 6.5. And then all of a sudden, when you go to services, church or something, six months later, your friend who hasn't seen you says, wow, you look like a million bucks. What happened to you? Well, you know, I learned that I was in sympathetic depletion and I've been focusing on really living a less stressful life and being careful about what I put in my mouth so that I'm trying to be more parasympathetic. You know, I'm doing an event coming up soon called The Inflammation Equation, and I've interviewed uh, over 60 of the world leaders on this topic of aging and where it comes from. And just this morning, I called this woman I had interviewed eight years ago that has multiple sclerosis. And at the time she had put it into remission. She was in her mid forties. And when her son got diagnosed at 16 with multiple sclerosis, that really was the catalyst to change her life. And she saw a friend of mine in London, a functional medicine practitioner. And she said, within two years, 
She originally had eight lesions on her brain on the MRI, and she could hardly walk. And her, then her son was diagnosed, and so she finally followed the advice. Two years later, she had one lesion on her brain and no symptoms. And that's when I interviewed her eight years ago. So I thought for this current event, I wonder how that woman's doing. So I reached out to her. She's in London and said, would you mind having a conversation? And I just talked to her this morning. She has, uh, she says, you know, I never think about having MS. I don't have any symptoms whatsoever. My life is really quite wonderful. She works. She said at the time, I could only see one client maybe a day. And she's a practice, healthcare practitioner. And now I see 10 a day and my life is full. And I said, well, what do you do that's different? How is it that you've kept this disease in remission? And she said, well, you know, you, you change your lifestyle and you just learn of what works and doesn't work, but you change your lifestyle. I do breathing exercises twice a day to calm down her sympathetic nervous system. So she does breathing exercises twice a day, yoga two or three times a week, walking daily, her food selections, and now she's gluten-free and dairy-free. And so at first it was really hard to do that, but now she calls the restaurant in advance and she's because chefs love to make food that people really enjoy. And mm -hmm. so I asked for the chef mm -hmm. and I explained my situation and can they put something together that would be safe for me? And most of the time, they're very happy to do that because she used to feel weird going to a restaurant with her friends. And she was the one that had to look at the menu and ask the waiter a whole bunch of questions, what's safe and what's not. And the waiter doesn't know sometimes. And, you know, she, it's like, I feel like I'm a nuisance. I feel like, you know, I'm yeah. this special person. She said, I don't do that anymore. I call the restaurant in advance and I see what's on their menu. So mm -hmm. the message is over the years, she's developed the lifestyle that allows her to live a full, complete, dynamic, one wonderful life. And she looks like you, you know, she's in her early fifties. She looks great. She looks really great. And I said, well, congratulations to you. And she said, you know, I just can't understand why people won't do this, why everyone yeah. won't do it. Once you understand, and it certainly makes sense, Dr. O'Brien, how you talk about it, how you talked about it with me eight years ago, it makes perfect sense. And why people won't do that, and some of them talk to their doctors who have no training in nutrition whatsoever. Yeah. And so they blow it off. They say there's, you know, uh, it's just hogwash. And then you keep doing the pharmaceutical approach, aging, getting weaker, getting weaker, getting Not, nothing wrong with pharmaceuticals. If you need them, right. you take them. Absolutely. But, but the goal is to reduce the need for them. Yeah. So that's a long-winded answer to this thing about the big the thumb versus the baby finger. It's a great yeah. analogy. A great analogy. You just brought it full circle for the, the listeners to visualize. And I'm smiling because I am that person who calls the restaurants. I have been gluten-free and dairy-free for many years. And I'm smiling because when I go to a restaurant with my five kids and you know their partners, my kids get up from the table when it's my time to order and they walk <laughs> away. They leave for about five minutes until I'm done ordering. And then they come back because maybe not so much anymore because now they're so used to it. But here's an example. And, and this is why there's health coaches to help bridge that gap between 
a health goal that you can't reach, a, a poor medical diagnosis in real life, coming up together, collaborating on these plans of how are you going to handle these situations? Because I truly believe whatever, um, whatever unique health equation is for you, it has to be something that's manageable and attainable yes. across all boards, not just in the safe confines of your own home, but it has to be able to be used in a restaurant on a vacation, you know, wherever you are. So for example, tomorrow I'm going on a vacation and the concierge reached out to me last week and said, is there anything that you would, you know, like to ask? And I said, well, you know, I eat a very specific diet. And I was wondering if you had a clean, dairy-free coconut-based yogurt that I can put my protein powder in because it's how I start my morning every day. And he said, you know what? I'm going to connect with the chef. And within 24 hours, the chef emailed me back. He said, what brand do you want? I told him. And the next day he said, I've ordered a case. It's arriving two days before you get here. We are all ready for you. And this is in Mexico, by the way not Marvelous. in the United States. Yes. So so while people might think that I'm super high maintenance because of this, I don't care. I have a longevity plan for myself. I know my genetics. I know my triggers. I know how my life that might seem boring to other people is aligned with my greater health vision for when you I'm know, in my 70s, 80s, and 90s. Absolutely. I mean, high maintenance, conscious high maintenance yes. means high energy, high vitality, high joy. That's what it means, the joy of life. You've got the juice to live the joy of life. Look, I'm 72 and I have a three-year-old. And my goal is that I'm dancing on the floor, dance floor, shaking it up at his wedding when I'm in my 90s, mid-90s yeah. or older, maybe. So you can't mess around. I mean, if, the, if that's really what you want is quality of life in your senior years, this is the path. Well, what do I take? Who knows? It depends on your physiology. Right. Meaning you, you have to do the grunt work of working with a health coach, working with a functional medicine doctor, doing the tests to find out what is your immune system fighting, yeah. what, what triggers you, and identify that and then get those out of your life because your body wants to regenerate healthier, younger cells all the time. The only exception, you know, you back out of a driveway and you say, what's wrong with this car? It's moving, but not very well, oh, the emergency brake. And you let go of the emergency brake and then you back out just fine, right? You want a high quality of life? You've got emergency brakes right now that you have to release. Some of them are lifestyle choices in the foods. The most common source of inflammation is what's on the end of your fork. You know, that's most common. Some of them are lifestyle choices. Some of them are environment choices. Many, many homes have mold in them. Mrs. Patient, if you go out of town for a couple of weeks, you come back, you have to open up the windows, the air of the house out. Oh, yeah, that's mold. And it's at a low level in your house all the time. So your family is breathing that 24-7. For somebody else, it's living near a freeway. You know, the incidence of attention deficit in children is 45% higher in families that live within one mile of a freeway because hmm. they're breathing that particulate matter all the time. 24-7, uh, well, I can't taste or smell it, but you're still breathing it. You ever see the sun come through the window at right angle and you can see the dust in the air? Mm -hmm. That's what you're breathing. 
mm-hmm. all the time, right? So what do you do? You learn how to uh, air filtration system in your house and house plants. You know, you go to my website, the dr.com forward slash plant. And there's the handouts from NASA on which house plants, like the ones right behind you, both the vines and the mother-in-law's tongue. Mother-in-law's tongue absorbs 74% of the toxins in the air. So you just put house plants, two six-inch house plants in a 10 by 10 room will absorb over 70% of the toxins in the air. And you learn these little things to do, and you just implement one every week, one new thing a week. Yeah. There, there's one more point I'll make to this uh, because so many people want to do this and then they get overwhelmed and they're immobilized because they're overwhelmed. So a couple things really help. First is have a coach. Have a coach that walks with you on this path. Second is, and whenever I sign books, it's always the same. I ask the person their name and then I write base hits, win the ball game. Hmm. It's the little things you do on mm-hmm. a da- daily basis that accumulatively win the ball game. And in my most recent book uh, called You Can Fix Your Brain, uh, the subtitle is just one hour a week to the best memory, productivity, and sleep you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? It means when you learn so many things in the book of what's affecting your brain, it's over. You don't know what to do. But Mrs. Patient, this is how you do it. You tell your family every Tuesday night after dinner or every Saturday or Sunday after services, whatever it is. But after this time, I'm going to study a little more of how we can be healthier. I'm going to allocate an hour a week. Don't bother me. Because when you read in my book that when you store leftover food in plastic storage containers in the refrigerator, next day the food has phthalates in it, chemicals used to mold plastic. So those chemicals are now in the food. And so you're giving your family more phthalate toxicity. And there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates that leaches out of your storage containers is toxic to humans. There's absolutely no evidence of that, that that amount, but that accumulates in your body over the years. So when you learn that, you go to my my book and you see the three URLs to order glass storage containers. Mm-hmm. My, Miles Kimball, Amazon, some other place. I don't remember. And you look at those are okay. And you look, oh, I like those. And you order three round ones and two square ones and one for the mm-hmm. pie. And you pay with your credit card. Hit send. It took you an hour. You're mm-hmm. done for the week. But never are you going to poison your family again with minute amounts of phthalates in the leftover food, right? The next week you look at nail polish because the phthalates from nail polish are in your bloodstream in four minutes. And so you look for organic nail polish. The next week you look at this houseplant thing. You read the article and you go to the nursery and you buy some houseplants. The next week you learn about foods and you you decide to test whatever food it is. One hour a week and in six months, you've changed your paradigm. You've changed your life, but that's the only way to be successful with or without a coach is avoid being overwhelmed. Yep. Just base hits, win the ball game and you will get there. Yeah. And I think one of the most important steps to this whole process is really connecting with your why. Why, why do you want to do this? Is it because you have a three-year-old? Is it because 
you know, with my five kids, I could have like 33 year old. You know? So everybody comes to the table with a different health story, with a different why, and you've got to connect to it because it's going to make the, it's going to make you more motivated to make the changes. Yes. I want to turn to gut health and midlife women. So like I said, in the beginning, we know that perimenopause brings about changes in the, in our gut microbiome for the worse. And I, so many women get to this stage and they're gaining that weight around their midsection. Their body composition is not where they want it to be. They're having um, bone mineral density degradation. So lots of other physiological changes are going on at the same time, their gut health is declining. And they, you know, one of the first things, what should I eat? What do you eat, Jill? Well, what I eat works for me. And I've been through, you know, 44 decades of trial and error with myself, right? So this, this is where the Sherlock Holmes of you comes into play. But I want to dive into gut health and those big inflammatory triggers, you know, that people are so um, afraid to give up. Um, here's, here's where we'll start. Um, 36% of all the small molecules in the bloodstream, over one third, they're the exhaust of the bacteria in your gut. You know, if I exercise too hard and the next day my muscle is sore, we all know that's lactic acid. It's the exhaust of the muscle cells. Drink some water. You'll be fine in a day or two. It's okay. Right? It's just the exhaust of the muscle cells. Your bacteria produce exhaust in your gut. It's called short chain fatty acids, nucleic acids. There's a whole category of them, but they're just the exhaust of the bacteria in your gut. And that exhaust makes up 36% of all the small, small molecules in your bloodstream. Well, your bloodstream is just a highway. It's just a four lane highway that uh, goes everywhere. And it carries all of this stuff to the different cells, and then it takes away the waste. That's the job of your bloodstream. And but why would over a third of all the small molecules be from the bacteria in the gut? Because they're the messengers that activate the genes of instruction. All right, turn this gene up over here. All right, uh, liver, I want you to do this. Heart, we should be beating at this rate. It was Michael Gershon at Princeton in 1999 that wrote the book, The Second Brain. And way back then, we knew that every one message from the brain going down telling the gut what to do, there are nine messages from the gut going up telling the brain what to do. The ratio is nine to one. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, it means when you're diagnosed with depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or you have seizures, any brain dysfunction, you also have to include working the gut in the protocol to reduce your migraines or your depression. You have to work on the gut because it's the messages from the gut that are controlling the function of the brain. And I didn't use the wrong word there. The brain is controlled by the messages coming from the gut. So when you have a gut that's out of balance, too many bad guys, not enough good guys, we call that dysbiosis, the exhausts of that bad bacteria goes into the bloodstream, it activates genes of inflammation. And so you're pulling on the chain. And where's that gonna manifest? Wherever the weak link is in your chain determined by genetics and antecedents, could be your kidneys. 
and the bad bacteria in the guts activating inflammation in your kidneys. Could be in your eyes, could be in your brain, could be in your skin, could be hair, in your hair joints. Loss. Hair loss. Hair loss. Very common. Very common. So it doesn't matter what the symptoms are. The mechanism going on mm -hmm. is the same. It's always inflammation. And here's here's something that maybe sit, will like turn on the light bulb. Alessio Fasano, Professor Fasano is at Harvard. Professor of Medicine, Harvard Medical School, Professor of Nutrition, Harvard School of Public Health, the Chief of Pediatric Gastroenterology at Mass General at Harvard, the Director of the Celiac Research Center at Harvard, the Director of Mucosal Immunology, that's the lining of your gut, the lining of your brain, the lining of your lungs at Harvard. He's got five titles. Any one title is a lifelong dream for someone at the top of their game. He's got five. Mm. We think he's going to win the Nobel Prize. We truly do. Because it was he and his team that identified in 1997 how this thing occurs that we call leaky gut. It's a protein called zonulin that opens up the gut. And I'll explain why in just a minute. But it was Fasano that identified all this. He's always so careful. You know, he's got hundreds, literally, of research articles now. And on an article, there will be eight authors. They all worked on different parts of the research. And the last one, Alessio Fasano, the stamp of approval, right? This paper he wrote by himself. And this is a guy who is so careful of what he says. The title of the paper says it all. And you can Google that paper and download the paper and read it. All disease begins in the, quote, leaky gut. All disease begins in the leaky gut. Well, what about MS? All disease. What about schizophrenia? All disease. What about psoriasis? All disease. What about uh, uh, osteoporosis? All disease begins in the leaky gut. And he goes through the dynamic of what we're talking about here and what I'm talking about in the inflammation equation of how this occurs. And he calls it the perfect storm in the development of chronic inflammatory disease. Now for women going through a change of life, that perfect storm manifests as some reaction to altered hormones, right? That's a very common one, mm -hmm. uh, but <clears throat> it, would, it would matter what the symptoms are. The mechanism is the same. So what's the perfect storm? First is genetics. Can't do anything about genetics, but except to understand genetics operate on dimmer switches. And you can dim down the genes of inflammation and turn up the genes of anti-inflammation. We knew back in the mid-90s that one cup of blueberries a day for three years and your brain's working as well as it was 13 years earlier. It turns on the genes of anti-inflammation in the brain. Number one is your genetics. Number two in the perfect storm are the environmental triggers that have their hands on the dimmer switch of your genes going up or down. The environmental triggers. And the most common environmental trigger is what's on the end of your fork. That's, that's why when you start there, you get great results usually pretty quickly. But the other environmental trigger that many doctors don't think about is what's already inside your body. 
how many good guys do you have compared to bad guys in your gut? Critically important to balance that microbiome because those messages are the environment of the gut going to the entire body, turning on genes of inflammation or genes of anti-inflammation. Number three in the perfect storm is that when you have so much imbalance and so many environmental triggers coming in in the foods that you eat, you alter the good guy, bad guy ratio in the gut and you get too many bad guys. That's called dysbiosis. Anyone that gets bloating or gas or loose bowels or constipation, anyone that gets gut symptoms of any type, you've got dysbiosis. Your gut's not working right. Well, it's not too bad. We'll put that on your tombstone. It wasn't too bad, you know. To, to give you a sense of how important this is, every single Parkinson's patient that I've ever checked, and it's the studies say over 90% of them, they had constipation for a year, 20 years, 25 years before they ever had a symptom because Parkinson's begins in the gut. We know that now. The science is really clear. You alter the good guy, bad guy ratio and some of the bad guys called misfolded alpha-synuclein, they creep up the nerves like itsy bitsy spider that went up the water spout. And these altered proteins creep up the vagus nerve back up to the brain and have an attraction to the area of the brain that controls muscle movement, creating inflammation there. And that inflammation causes collateral damage and 20, 25 years of that, now you've got the shakes. I mean, that is a primary mechanism in Parkinson's. It starts in your gut. All disease begins in the gut. So that's number three in the perfect storm. Number four, when you have this dysbiosis, too many bad guys and not enough good guys, you create the leaky gut. Now, what the leaky gut is, is the inside of your intestines is lined with cheesecloth. So when you eat food, it's got to be digested, broken down. Think of a pearl necklace. And our digestive enzymes cut the necklace into smaller clumps. Snip, 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 until you're down to each pearl, the pearl necklace, called an amino acid. And the amino acids can go right through the cheesecloth into the bloodstream. And now, now they're up on the highway, and now your body can use them to make new bone cells or brain cells, whatever it should be. But they've got to be broken down small enough. That's one reason why your gut's 25 feet long, is that it takes a lot longer to break down prime rib than it does a banana. So you've got to have enough time to snip it and then absorb it. But when you have dysbiosis, number three, too many bad guys, not enough good guys, you create this inflammation in your gut that tears the cheesecloth. When you tear the cheesecloth on the inside of the gut, now these larger molecules called macromolecules get through into the bloodstream before they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be snipped further down the track, but there's a tear in the cheesecloth, so they slip right through into the bloodstream, these macromolecules, and your immune system says, whoa, what's this? I better fight this. Now you get number five, chronic systemic inflammation. That is the mechanism. All disease begins in the leaky gut. And this is from the chair, uh, the chief of pediatric gastroenterology at Harvard. And this is what they're teaching at uh, the med school at Harvard now, which is so exciting because these new docs coming out um, in the last five to 10 years, they've been exposed to this information. They understand they've got a much bigger picture now. 
that you always have to include lifestyle counseling along with whatever medical interventions you're going to do. So if you're going through a change of life and you're noticing some symptoms, you are set up. You are set up. Maybe you've got adrenals the size of a peanut instead of a walnut. They've worn down from the stress of 30, 40 years of life. Uh, but you, when you recognize this, okay, how do I reduce the inflammation and then do some appropriate therapies for the symptoms that I'm currently feeling? That is a win-win approach that'll get you into your 80s, your 90s, fully functional. Uh, you'll find some young guy that's calling you at 90 years old. Wow, you're a babe. You know, you'll find that happens to you mm -hmm. because, because you've been taking care of yourself and you've got that vitality of life and you also have wisdom at that point. Yeah. Wow. What a rundown. That was great. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, but going back to what's on the end of your fork. I want you to share with my community, what are those big players? That no, there's could... no question. Right, right. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, okay. no, yeah. What are those big trigger foods yeah. that people should consider, you know, taking out? And I, I know what you're going to say. And I know what people are going to say. Well, I've never had a problem with those before. So why, why should I even give it a try? Right. Uh, and I won't go through all the science because it's right. just take up time. But, right. And we're coming uh, to an end. Yeah. When people have a, 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 an immune reaction to wheat, for example, only one out of eight have gut symptoms. The rest have brain symptoms or ovarian symptoms or skin symptoms. They, they don't have gut symptoms. So they think, well, I eat wheat and I feel fine. It doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is, are you triggering inflammation in your body? And there's only one test that's comprehensive. Look, I travel all over the world teaching, and um, it used to be a real problem because the tests that most doctors do are helpful, but they're not comprehensive, and they're not completely accurate. So finally, in 2016, in January of 2016, Mayo Clinic wrote a paper talking about this laboratory medicine technology, and they called it a new era in laboratory medicine. And the technology is called silicone chip technology. Now you've got tests that are very comprehensive and very accurate every single time. It's called the wheat zoomer mm -hmm. because you zoom in on the problem. And when you do a wheat zoomer, you will find out, is your immune system fighting wheat right now? doesn't matter how you feel. Uh, so the big ones that we check on every patient there are four to five tests that I'll do on every patient if they want to see me. I see about one patient a week uh, on Zoom, uh, and they've been usually through many doctors, and they're frustrated, and they need an investigative approach. Yeah. But they all get these five tests done, the wheat Zoomer, the dairy Zoomer, the neural Zoomer Plus for your brain, the gut Zoomer, and total tox burden. Those five tests, and then you've got a pretty good picture of what the likely primaries are there there can be others lectins are fairly common soy on some on occasion eggs but the big ones are wheat and dairy they're the really big ones well i feel fine just stop saying that it doesn't matter how you feel you can't use that as a determining factor mm -hmm. because you only get it right one out of eight times hmm. so wheat and dairy are the big ones the really big ones but measure your total tox burden because that is such a huge problem yeah. today. After 30 years of applying cosmetics, 
that uh, women average over 180 chemicals on their body every day. And uh, for most yeah. of them, there is no science at all as to how major an impact these chemicals have on you. And, and they, they have a big impact. So, okay, is my immune system fighting these volatile organic compounds? Is my immune system fighting mold right now? Is my immune system fighting heavy metals? Uh, so you use your immune system as the dashboard in your car of how the car is running. Mm. What, what is your immune system fighting? That's where you begin. Yeah. It's a great place to segue into our conclusion because your website has so many free resources on it that people can go there and start learning more about this, learning more about living a full anti-inflammatory lifestyle, because that's the name of the game. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. So tell people where we can find you. Where are you the most active? Oh, thank you. Uh, the website is thedr.com, thedoctor.com. Just don't spell the word doctor out. Mm -hmm. And there's videos and there's there's a, a, a link to um, the first summit I ever did was called the Gluten Summit. 19 world leaders interviewed talking about this. And that's jaw-dropping again and again. It's all free. The next one's called Betrayal, the Autoimmune Disease Solution They're Not Telling You. And that's where you learn where autoimmune diseases come from. And they're world-class scientists from all over. For example, Professor Yehuda Schoenfeld, the godfather of autoimmunity, he's at Tel Aviv University in Israel, very famous um, university for immunology. And 26 of the medical doctors who went back to get their PhD in immunology there, there are many, many more, but 26 of them chair departments of immunology in medical schools and hospitals around the world. They're his students. This is the godfather. I shared the stage with Professor Schoenfeld uh, uh, about six weeks ago now in Rome. And he made this comment that I, I kind of giggled out loud, which you know, I, it was just a brilliant comment. We are born 99% human. You know, there is a little bit of bacteria in a newborn baby's gut from mom, but not so much. So the whole body are human cells. We're born 99% human and we die 90% microbial. Mm. And that's yeah. true. There's yeah. 10, 10 times more cells of bacteria yeah. in our body than human cells. And when you understand that, you understand that this dance of life is really a dance with your microbes. Yeah. And this is such a foreign concept for people who have never heard anything like this before. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. Mm -hmm. But when you read a little bit more and then a little bit more, you say, wow, I didn't, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, that makes sense. And then you hear Fasano, all disease begins in the leaky gut. Then it starts to make sense of where it, to get the most bang for your buck. Where do you focus your attention and your healthcare allocation dollars? It's on your gut. You start there. And then you may have to work on rebuilding your liver or your thyroid or mm -hmm. uh, uh, brain needs support. You know, there are other areas you might have to work on, yeah. but you have to include the gut. Absolutely. All disease begins in the gut. Yeah. And also I'd like to um, show everyone, if you're on YouTube, that I printed out Dr. Tom's Pantry Essentials 
guide to eating a very healthy anti-inflammatory based diet. So I thought that was very useful. Um, I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes. And Dr. Tom, what a pleasure to finally meet you face to face. I've been a huge fan of yours and big follower or follower of yours. So it's been an absolute pleasure. And I know that my community is going to walk away with so many golden nuggets here and uh, really think about how to pivot their life in a different direction that's going to support that greater vision for themselves. Marvelous. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again, stay healthy.